0: What's good, lifers? How's it going? Today, we're going to talk about how to upgrade your life, how to really look at your own potential as being limitless. Obviously, that starts with your brain. So, today, I have a guest with me, Jim Quick, who I met many years ago. And I remember when I met him, he was like, Oh, hi, Shalene. I was like, Oh, I can't remember this guy's name. I know I've seen his face before, but I can't remember his name. And he just said mine perfectly. I should know who this is. And then I remembered, Oh, This is the guy who's the memory expert, (sighs) which made me really nervous because at that point, my memory wasn't so great, but I quickly started taking in his content. Now, Jim is widely recognized as the world expert in memory improvement, and he recently wrote a book. However, the book isn't just about memory because upgrading your life, really truly reaching your potential, is more than just improving your memory, right? Like if that were the case and people have the ability to memorize things would have the most amazing lives. It's more than that. His book is truly a three-parter and it's all the things we talk about here on the show. We talk about motivation, we talk about mindset and we talk about the methods, the how-tos. So a little bit about Jim. He's a guy who's dedicated to helping others unleash their power, their genius if you will, by tapping into your own brain power. And the reason why this is personal for him is as a child, he was labeled as the boy with the broken brain by a teacher in front of all of his classmates. He had a brain injury. Now as an adult, his mission is to make sure that no brain is left behind. His techniques have been shared with students at universities like NYU, Harvard, Columbia, Stanford. He's also worked with companies like Nike, GE, Zappos, billionaire executives like Richard Branson, Elon Musk, and A-list actors, say that five times fast, like Will Smith. Now, Jim has a podcast too, which I really love. It's called Quick Brain. But today we're talking about his very first book, a book that he wrote because he was passionate about this, and right away, it shot up to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. The book is entitled Limitless, Upgrade Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster, and Unlock Your Exceptional Life. Jim, how much of what we're going to talk about today, or how much of what you teach, do you believe boils down to choice?
1: Well, I have a quote in my book from a French philosopher that says, life is the C between B and D, Mm -hmm. and B stands for birth, D stands for death, and C stands for choice. I believe that our life is the sum total of all the choices that we've made up to this point. You know, everything from big things like where we're going to live, what we're going to do as a career, who we're going to spend time with, to little choices like what we're going to feed our mind or our, our body that day. And so I believe right now, with everything going on, that difficult times, these difficult times can define us, these difficult times can diminish us, or these difficult times can develop us, but we ultimately decide. And so I think that it's, we talk about in the book Lies, everything I talk about is alliteration or a mnemonic or an acronym so it's easy to remember. It's a limited idea entertained. And I feel like that it's important for people to realize that they have more more power than they realize.
0: Is a lie very much like in your mind a limiting belief? It's something that perhaps wasn't our choice, something that we experienced as a kid or as an adult, and then we form these beliefs and then we spend so much of our time trying to <laughs> reinforce those beliefs. Do we know that they're limiting?
1: I think a big part of transformation is really self awareness. I think self awareness is a superpower and And so a big part of my teaching is for people to just be aware of their thoughts, aware of their beliefs. I'm also believe you know aware of what lights them up, aware of their the methods that they're using at any given time because a lot of there's a study done at Stanford University that suggests about forty percent of our behaviors are pure routine and habits, but mm. I don't think we sat down and actually really designed them to reach the outcomes that we're, we're looking for. And so I always believe that, that we have a choice at any given time of what to focus on and what things mean, what small actions we could take at any given time.
0: Before we go further, I'm, I have to apologize to my listeners because I can't believe I've waited this long to bring you on the show. I've met you many years ago. I've been a fan of your podcast. I'm a fan in general of what it is you teach and just who you are. And I always bring to my audience the experts who I learn from. So an apology because I try to bring the people who I learn from to the show and it just waited too long to bring you on. But it's a perfect opportunity. I have to tell you, before you sent me your book, thank you very much for that, by the way, I was thinking, oh, great. It's, you know, I can't wait to read this book on memory. And then- I really dug in and realized, like, this is three books in one, and it's so mm-hmm. much more than memory. This is your first book, is that correct?
1: It, it is. After 28 years, it's, it's exciting. And it's one of the questions that we got the most. Is people assumed, I had four or five books by now, but this is, this is my first book.
0: Can I ask why, then? I would have assumed that your first book would have been all about just memory
1: that's a great question Uh, originally this book when I was ready to hand it into my publisher was actually a book completely on methods for accelerated learning and so my superpower is teaching people how to learn faster and I think if there's one skill to master in the 21st century especially today and in an age of rapid change where things are being disrupted so quickly is it's our ability to learn and our ability to think, our ability to focus, our ability to remember, our ability to apply. And so this book, this section on methodology, we talk about five mental superpowers of focus, study, speed reading, memory improvement, and critical thinking, because these are the things that will help you to advance and really progress in your life, and your career. But when I was ready to hand it in, I asked myself this question because I just felt like something was off and I don't know what, what your process is for going mm-hmm. through and you create so much content. Mm-hmm. I asked myself this question, will, will 100% of the people who read this book get the results they were hoping for? And my honest answer was no. Mm-hmm. And that was, I really like rocked my spirit, my <laughs> mind, something fierce. And I realized that a lot of people know what to do, but they don't always do what they know, because one yeah. of the laws that we talk about is that knowledge is power. And it's something that, you know, we we generally accept because we've heard it for so long. But when you really think about it, all the podcasts and coaching and online programs and books, none of it works unless we work. And a lot of people are very good at buying a book and it sits on their shelf and it becomes shelf help, not real self help. Mm-hmm. And wanted this to be the most read book that people, you know, out there. It might maybe it's not gonna be the most bought book but I want it to be the most read book because fundamentally I'm a reading teacher because I had so many struggles with my brain injury as a child. It took me an extra three years just to learn how to read. In fact, my teachers, even when they're finding out about it now, they would have been surprised if I read a book, much less wrote a book. Mm. And that's that's how severe my, my challenges were, but wanted to submit it. I realized it was a very good self-help instructional manual. And I also realized that I would be doing disservice going back and real, you know, after 28 years of field experience from working with children with severe learning challenges to aging adults concerned with dementia. I happen to have lost my grandmother of Alzheimer's, extremely uh, passionate about um, that. People wouldn't get the result unless there were two other elements, the two other parts of the book. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, and I created a framework called the Limitless Model, mm-hmm. and it's explanatory schema for not only accelerated learning, but really for unlocking human potential and performance. And it became more complete because, for example, I could teach somebody a method on how to learn a language faster, or how to remember a TED Talk, or how to remember people's names. Mm-hmm. If their mindset was, oh, "I'm not smart enough," "I'm too old," you know, "I, I have a horrible memory." And they're still gonna be stuck in that box because we haven't addressed some of the core challenges that we need to unlimit to be able for people to use.
0: We should probably mention that you're in New York City right now. It's almost eerie to hear the the sirens and you know, I I just wanna take a moment to say, wow, it must be surreal to be there.
1: It is. I mean, this is definitely a place that challenges your focus muscles. I you know, when I refer in the book, about distraction. We have a whole chapter dedicated, and the largest chapter is is memory enhancement, but a large chapter is on focus. And focus, we realize, is more like a muscle. It's use it or lose it, but most people are building their distraction muscles daily, you know, with their smart devices.
0: We're building those muscles. Now that's an interesting concept. We're building them, which almost sounds intentional. And is there an element that we don't realize we're forcing ourselves to do this because it serves us in some way?
1: It does. I think there's secondary gain for sure. So I would say that if people see here, and which is what I love about you and this show is so it's raw and it's real. So if you hear a siren in the background or a ringtone that comes on. This is just, <laughs> and I like it because the power of words on the human brain, you know, we, we hear this these terms social distancing, but we're being physically distant, but we're being social right now. And people, as they're engaging in this conversation and, you know, asking questions and posting, they're being social about it. You know, what I'm concerned about is if people are mentally distancing themselves or they're emotionally distancing themselves. And then you have some real challenges. But I would say that every opportunity, when you hear a siren or a ring or ping, it's an opportunity to, to train your focus, that you could actually build your concentration you know, in in a world full of social media alerts and app notifications. And so it really comes down to your original question, which is choice.
0: Mm. The first part of your book, well, I shouldn't say the first part, like once we get into those three areas, you started with mindset, which it sounds to me as though you decided to do that because your intention was that this would actually serve people and that you realize I have to start here because if that's not in check, These other things are for not. When it comes to mindset, like, I mean, for me too, I mean, everything that I do, whether it's fitness or diet or helping people to build an additional income, my greatest challenge, I used to think, I've got to make this easier. I've got to make it more simple. I've got to make it more memorable. I've got to make it smaller. Mm. But I, I have to tell you, like, and this is my challenge for the year. I gave myself this challenge to help better understand Tactical ways, like aside from all the things we've heard before, like what are sure. some real ways people can first identify that it's their mindset? Because that's the biggest problem. I think a lot of people don't realize no, this is you stopping you.
1: Exactly. I believe that a negative mind can't yield a positive life. A limitless mind could give you a, a limitless life. And that if we change our brain, that our mind and our life will follow. And this book really is, while it's a book about becoming limitless, it's not about being perfect. It's about progressing and advancing beyond what we believe is currently possible. And so there are three forces. And I know, and the other thing I love besides your content being so real and and raw, it's extremely relevant and practical. And I I can appreciate that in a world where, you know, your audience and your, your, your fans, your students, your clients, they like to go deep and really understand things, and they and they take action, and that's why they're there. And so this book, it really is a framework for not only accelerated learning again, it's for accessing this human potential, because what is limitless on planet Earth? I think the limitless resource we have is human capability. Like, there's no limit, the sky's not the limit, it's our mind. And what I would say, mindset, when I talk about the three forces, and I would invite everyone to actually make this a masterclass right now, make this interactive, Okay. Think about an earlier life where you feel like you are limited. It could be you're not making progress. Maybe it's in your physical well-being. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in your career. Maybe it's in your income. Maybe it is in your learning. You, you know, maybe you weren't labeled. You know, when I was nine, a teacher pointed to me and said, "That's the boy with a broken brain." Mm. From the whole entire class, that label became my limit, and it put me in a box. And so, what area? you, the listener, do you feel like you're in that box? And there's three-dimensional, obviously, that box. And the three forces that keep you in that box are the three M's. It's your mindset, it's your motivation, and it's your methods that you're using. And I would have people illustrate this in their mind. I would encourage everyone to take notes.
0: I love this diagram in the book. That was I'm a visual learner, so that was helpful for me <laughs> to go like, okay, I can picture how these three circles intersect. So can we have everyone, if you're not driving, maybe yes. grab a pen and a piece of paper? Would that be a good idea?
1: Very, very much so. Because while there's a learning curve, there's also a forgetting curve. Ha. We suggest that within two days of learning something once, listening to it or reading it or watching it, that up to 80% of it disappears. You forget it. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And one of the ways of keeping that retention higher is by capturing notes, and i have a very specific way i teach in the book on how to take notes very simple way actually a whole brain note taking and i'm i'm more i don't know are you more of a digital note taker do you like to read on digital no or?
0: well i like, like to read on digital but when i'm even when i'm reading on digital i have to write notes i have to amazing. picture things in my mind if there's something i you know obviously i'm a student of yours so there's ways i've learned to you know tell the story in my mind I'm very physical, like right now as you're speaking, like I'm writing down words, I'm writing down, even though it's not necessarily, I'm not going to have a quiz afterwards, but this is stuff I want to remember.
1: I love that. A simple way for everybody to take notes is if you have a piece of paper. And the research suggests that people who handwrite notes actually have better comprehension and retention, which is interesting as opposed to people who do digital note-taking now, digital note-taking certainly has convenience to be able to store that information, to be able to share that information, but a lot of people could type pretty fast, and, but writing, handwriting notes, there's something visceral about it besides using that kinesthetic part of it. You also, it forces you to filter the information and really think about what's important here that I'm listening, because you can't write as fast as somebody could speak. So it forces you really to pay attention and to focus. And so one of the ways of whole brain note-taking is just to take a piece of paper, put a line down the page, and on the left side, this is where you're capturing, and on the right side, you're creating. Mm. Now, what does that mean? It's a it's subtle difference. On the left side, we could talk about, you know, you could draw the limitless model, right? The Venn diagram, three intersecting circles. It could look like Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Two ears, that crossover, and the face. And there's some intersection points of all three of them, and then all three of them hit in the middle. And so these are the three Ms. And your first one is your mindset. Now, when you're capturing on the left side, your note taking on the right side, you're creating where your note making. And so what's the difference on the left side, you could capture the processes for remembering names, the best brain foods and how to memorize a TED Talk or a sales video on the left side in the process, the instruction that we're going to talk about in this conversation. On the right side, if your mind is going to go somewhere else, you know, in your imagination, I'd rather it go on the right side of the page and what are you going to create there? You're going to create, you know, you're going to write down how am I going to use this? How does this relate to what I already know? You could create questions that you have. You could write down how you're going to teach a loved one or or your community when you're going to be able to apply it and so that's where your creative energy goes because we don't just learn through consumption the human brain it actually doesn't learn best by consuming information it learns best through creation
0: jim can i ask why is it more beneficial for us to note take in this way versus in a linear fashion where i think you might capture some of what you're saying the note taking about the methodology And then also below that, I'm writing a few notes about what I'm thinking and questions that I have. And I just do that in a linear fashion. Why is one more beneficial than the other?
1: If you're linear note-taking, you could have something on page 17 that's more important than what's on page one, but you don't see that how it's related. And so basically, this is kind of symbolic where the left side, it's much more complicated than this, Mm -hmm. but left side could be your left logical brain and the right side could be your creative brain. And so you're, you're mirroring the way your brain works and it just helps you to be able to sort that information. And instead of being distracted and your imagination going elsewhere, have your imagination go on the, the right side of the page. Thank you. Yeah. And so, but taking notes is a wonderful way of doing it. And so what everyone could do right now, if you haven't already, is to draw those three circles. And if you, or if you can't write it down, just imagine it. And if you can't imagine it, imagine you can imagine these three circles, <laughs> And the first M, three M's, is your mindset. And how I'm defining mindset are your assumptions and attitudes about something. It could be your attitudes and assumptions about the world and how it works. It could be your attitudes and assumptions about health. It can be your attitudes and assumptions about learning. It could be your attitudes and assumptions, probably most importantly, about yourself. So what would fall in the circle? Things like what you believe is possible would fall in that circle. Another thing that would fall under mindset is what you believe you're capable of. And those could be two different things. When people see me, or you, know, you and I, we speak at a lot of the same events, I do these demonstrations where I'll have maybe 50 or 100 people in an audience stand up and introduce themselves to everybody in the audience and I'll memorize all their names. Or an audience will give me 50 or 100 numbers or 100 words and I'll memorize them forwards and backwards. But I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you, I do this to express to you what's really possible. Because the truth is, every person who's listening to this right now, you could do this too. Mm. Regardless of your age or your background, your career, your education level, your financial situation, your gender, your history, your IQ, you could do it, we just weren't taught, right? And school, when we talk about memory, they teach you three Rs, reading, writing, arithmetic, Obviously, spelling was one of those R's. <laughs> um, it's the fourth one could have been remembering or retention. Mm. Socrates says there is no learning without remembering. And so, for example, someone could have the mindset that it's possible, but they might not believe it's possible for them. Right. Somebody could watch a video and see somebody, you know, do amazing things with their body and say, OK, that's possible that's their mindset, but they are not capable of it. And so that needs to be addressed before the methods. And something else that would fall in that circle that's kind of, if we're gonna get really real here, is not only what you believe is possible, what you believe you're capable of, but also what you believe you deserve. Meaning that uh, some people have set goals for a relationship or they set goals for their body or they set a goal for an income, but they don't believe that they deserve that. And all behavior is belief-driven. Wow And so it's kind of like a thermostat, mm-hmm. right? Everything coming back to choice, the metaphor and metaphors are a wonderful way to learn. It's a wonderful way to teach your team. It's a wonderful way to teach your community or your children, is the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer, its only function. it reacts to the environment. And we sometimes react to the economy. We react to how people treat us. We react to what's going on in the news but all the studies done on happiness say that the people that are most happy are the ones that feel like they have agency you know that they have control they have choice and so what does a thermostat do a thermostat doesn't react to the environment A thermostat gauges the environment mm-hmm. intelligently and it sets a new temperature and then the environment reacts to it and so to the degree we could more identify with the thermostat and not a thermometer would give us more capacity in our mindset and our behaviors because we're we're setting the temperature as opposed to things being imposed on us so that's your mindset and the reason why it's important is because you know most of our mindset was learned right like i wasn't born thinking i had a broken brain it was through that box that we feel like we're stuck in that was set by our experience, it was set by expectations of other people, it was set you know, by our environment also as well. And all I'm asking people to do right now is just to check in with themselves is are these set of beliefs and assumptions, are they serving me or are they lies? Mm-hmm. Limited idea that I'm entertaining. It's not maybe true that you're not smart enough or you're not capable of it or that you don't deserve it, but if we entertain that thought, then all behavior is going to come from that belief. That's our mindset.
0: This audience loves the tactical, and we're going to talk about the methodology. But I hope you're all right with us staying here for a second, because I really think, you know, like you've said, you've pointed out very well in your book, the methodology, the motivation, those things, they're irrelevant if we don't have the mindset that makes them possible. So if we can stay here for a second. It reminded me of a conversation I had the other day with a psychologist, and we were talking about note-taking specifically. And she said, I will tell a new patient, I expect you to take notes for you, not for me, for you. And when I see after the second and third time they're not taking notes, I'll remind them, you know, remember, it's really important you take notes. She said, after the third time, I will let them know. Now, you don't have to take notes, but I want to point out (laughs) this is clearly an act of self-sabotage. You're not working in your own best interest if you're not taking notes. My question with regard to that around mindset is, especially around deserving, how do we know even that that lie is so deeply embedded in our mind where we, in fact, will cover it up with the thought that well, this isn't a lie this is me being realistic it's unrealistic that I would have a life like fill in the blank or that I would have my dream job or that I would have my ideal body it's just I'm not being negative this isn't a false belief this is a realistic belief that it's, it's interesting
1: because I read studies about optimists and pessimists it's interesting because people who have more pessimistic view on life they tend to be accurate more Man, but optimists tend to achieve more. Even what's going on right now, I think solitude is a wonderful time for self reflection. School didn't teach us these things. School is a great place to learn what to learn, what to think. They teach you what to remember, what to focus on, what to study, what to read, but not how to learn. How to focus, how to remember. And so introducing some doubts into what's really possible and then getting mentors like yourself. You know, if there's anybody who's been successful and they didn't have the money or they didn't have the education or they didn't have the network or the connections and they were successful, an interesting belief to adopt, entertain is that genius leaves clues. That genius is not necessarily born, it's built. And when I say genius, I do not mean IQ. I mean somebody who succeeds in any area, that there's a method behind what looks like magic to other people.
0: I love that. You know, there are three if you will, major ingredients to upgrade your life that you talk about in the book. And when it comes to motivation, we know that wanes. There are days that you'll wake up and even though you'll do it, you might not be motivated to do it per se or your drive is lower. So how is it we know we have motivation or that we're using motivation and also to accept the fact that it's not always gonna be at the same level how do we even identify what motivation is? You've got a great formula in the book that I'd love for you to share.
1: Yeah. So, this is the second circle. So, the, this is the second M, which is motivation that you could have this limitless mindset that anything is possible in your relationship or in your career. You could believe that you're capable of it. You could believe you deserve it, but you could still be stuck in that box because you lack the motivation to get out of that box. And a lot of a lie around motivation limited idea entertain is that people feel like it's just, they go to an event and they get very excited or they have a conversation with somebody and they feel like they're motivated, but the next day they're not, they haven't changed. So the evidence that we're motivated is that there's some action, consistent action. So it doesn't matter what you say or even what you feel, it's what you're doing. And so a three-step formula for motivation that I've found working with clients, and this is why I had to put it in the book, because I wanted people to have the right, you know, this limitless mindset, but I also want them to have a limitless drive. So the formula is P times E times S three. P times E times S three. Because one of the lie and one of the lies around something a limited idea, entertain around motivation is that you have to enjoy it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Meaning that, you know, I, I was talking to a friend. Who wakes up every morning at 4:30 in the morning, and I was just and, and to work out, mm-hmm. and I had to ask a question. I was like, "Do you enjoy waking up so early? Are you a morning person?" And he said, "No, absolutely not." I was like, "Okay, well, then you must love working out." He was like, "No, I actually didn't actually enjoy. I actually hate that even more." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." But he is so motivated; he never misses a day. You know, for me, I take cold showers every morning. People follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I'll take like a, a four-minute pure ice bath and I grew up in the Northeast. I despise the cold and yet I always do it every single day. I would rather people bring joy to their activity, bring joy into a workout, bring joy into reading, bring joy into the things that are good for you, but it's not a requirement. So what does the P stand for? If we were gonna build the ultimate, let's do a thought experiment, the ultimate motivated human being, you need three elements. The P stands for purpose. And I don't mean your life purpose, although I do address that in the book. Mm -hmm. I mean your reasons for doing something. Meaning that I believe another success formula that's aligned with the three Ms, are three Hs. It goes from your head, to your heart, to your hands. But if you visualize something in your head or set a goal in your head and you're not acting with your hands, then you have to check in with the second H, which is your heart. And the heart is emotions, right? And we're not always logical but we're always biological when you think about dopamine oxytocin serotonin endorphins you know what what is the fuel that's the reasons we're doing something mm-hmm. so i don't i don't love sometimes taking a cold shower but i have a clear reason and it's not just a cognitive reason because a lot of people could write all the reasons why they should work out and exercise and eat good food but you have to allow yourself to feel those reasons because we are emotional creatures, meaning feel the rewards that come from doing that behavior consistently, and also maybe even feel the consequences and feel the negative part of mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. going through. And so that's the P is, is purpose.
0: I've talked about it on the show that that word really, really scares people because they think they're gonna get it wrong. Anytime they hear the word purpose, they think someone's gonna come and go, hi, we found your purpose. Here right, it right, is. Right, and, right. <laughs> and so they're so afraid of that word. Just for the sake of accepting this concept, could P, I'm not trying to change your model at all, but to, like, to let people like, let this soak in. Does P represent the thing that I want? Is it the outcome that I'm hoping for? Is it why I'm doing it?
1: It is. Okay. It is. It's the why.
0: It's the reward? It's a purpose
1: for me is the reason.
0: So your buddy who hates working out, right?
1: Right.
0: He's not doing that. If there's not some kind of reward in it, He might not love the jumping up and down or sweating or whatever it is he's doing for a workout pile, let's say, just joking. But there's something that he absolutely absolutely loves or wouldn't form a habit.
1: Right. The P absolutely the reasons and the reasons reap rewards. Got it. Reasons reap the results.
0: Does this explain why it is there are certain topics that we absolutely, it's like our brain goes, oh, don't hold on to this. Don't remember it even though you've heard it 55 times, you're going to ask again. Like Literally, there are certain topics where I hear the person start and I'm like, oh, I won't be remembering this.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of information, I mean, even if we go back to school where we could have a shared experience, a lot of people won't remember sine, cosine, tangent, X, the periodic table. What's that? (laughs) Because they had no purpose. It was not relevant to them. There was no reward. And so even going back to remembering names, even when we do, we don't, remember all names, most people, but most people don't forget all names. And the names that we tend to remember are people that we're attracted to, because there's a reason they can be good for your business. Or there's some kind of purpose or a reason. And so the goal is to really tap into that consciously. So even if you're going to want to remember someone's name, ask yourself, why do I want to, what's the purpose of remembering the person's name? Maybe it's to show the person respect. Maybe it's to create a new connection. Maybe it's to make a new friend. Maybe it's to practice these things I learned you know, on this podcast, because, you know, without a reason, you won't get the results. And so purpose is just allowing yourself to feel the benefits of following through the rewards. And also maybe the consequences. So for example, I saw an acquaintance recently, and this person has always been just did the opposite of everything that's healthy for you, right? And he had a heart attack. And, you know, and he had triple bypass surgery, and he still continued to not move, to smoke, to excess, you know, all these things. And then, but I saw him two years later, and he was like the physical specimen of health. Hmm. And I was like, what happened? (laughs) It's like like a heart attack didn't do it for you, but that didn't change it. And it was his daughter, you know, one day he found his daughter crying, and he wanted to know what's the matter, and she wanted him to be around to be there for her children and to walk Mm. her down the aisle. And that purpose, that feeling changed everything for him. Mm. So all I'm saying is part of motivation, and this is only part of it, is having a reason. Because if you can't feel a purpose, maybe you should reevaluate whether you should be doing that action anyway. Mm. Because Mm. maybe we're spending too much time doing things that aren't giving us the reward that we're just doing out of, out of habit or routine. So that's the P, is allow yourself to feel the reward, the purpose behind it. And now, now my mind went, okay, let's do this thought experiment. If somebody just has a big enough purpose and they feel the rewards or the consequences that come from not doing it, will they always be motivated? And my, my mind went, no, they can be missing the E. And the E stands for energy.
0: All right, I've got a memory challenge for you. I want you to remember these numbers, 80, 60, 15, 15. Today, we're talking about Third Love, my favorite maker of bras, the bra that I'm wearing right now, and they have 80 different sizes, including half cup sizes. Now, to figure out what size you would wear, you just take a simple quiz. It takes less than 60 seconds. Over 15, there's a 15, 15 million women have taken this quiz to figure out what size they should be wearing because it's not just how big your breasts are, it's like the shape and everything. And 3rd Love is gonna help you find the right bra based on your breast size. Now, it only takes you 60 seconds. You didn't have to remember that number. It only takes you 60 seconds, though so to complete the quiz. Here's another 15. So far, 3rd Love has donated $15 million in bras because If for any reason you don't love your bra, you've got 60 days to return it. How cool is that? Third Love takes care of Chalene Show listeners. They know that there's a perfect bra out there for you, and they want to give you 15% off your first order. So to take advantage of that, go to thirdlove.com forward slash Shalene right now to find your perfect fitting bra. Now let's put your memory to the test. What did the number 80 represent? That's right, the number of sizes. That third love offers, including half cup sizes. What does the number 60 represent? The number of days you get to wear your bra, the number of seconds it's going to take for you to take the quiz. What does the number 15 represent? 15 million have been donated to women in need, 15% off for Shalene Show listeners. My favorite is the classic t shirt bra. You can get 15% off your first order right now by going to Thirdlove.com forward slash
1: So let's take working out because that's a universal. We all know that everyone should be moving and exercising and they have purpose. They feel all the benefits. They're going to feel better. They're going to look better. They're going to have energy to be able to achieve their dreams. But let's say they have a newborn and they haven't slept in three nights. They're not going to be as motivated to be able to work out because they lack energy. Or maybe they know that leaders are readers, and they should be reading each day a little bit. That reading is to your mind, what exercise is to your body. And you know, they want to read a book a week. And just mathematically, the average book, knowing having just doing this book, has is about sixty-four thousand words. And the average person reads about two hundred words a minute. If you divide the numbers, three hundred twenty minutes to get through one book. Mm. And the reason why I talk about Books and reading is so important. If somebody has decades of experience like yourself and you put it into a book and somebody could read that book in a few days, you could download decades into days. That has to be one of the biggest advantages in life, learning from other people's experience. They don't have to go through the trials and, and the mistakes and everything else. And so I talk about reading a lot, but 45 minutes a day will get you through a book a week which is 52 books a year, which is a huge advantage. I mean, what would everyone read? Hmm. And so going back to energy, if you ate a big processed meal and you're in a food coma, you might not have the energy to follow through and be motivated to read. So that's why in the book, we talk about how to clear mental fatigue 10 different ways from the best brain foods to optimizing your sleep, Mm -hmm. to managing your stress, all the things that take energy out of the system.
0: Okay, so you have purpose, and you have energy, what else do we need?
1: There's one more thing missing, S3, small, simple step. Mm-hmm. We have this thing, it's too big in our mind. Like we want yeah. the perfect physique. We want to meet our soulmate, live happily ever after. We want to create the next million dollar brand online. And that's way too big. And when things are too intimidating, or they're confusing, a confused mind doesn't do anything.
0: So how do you find your smallest, simple step? to start with.
1: Question is, what is the tiniest action I could take that will give me progress towards this goal where I cannot fail? What is the tiniest action I could take that will give me progress towards this goal where I cannot fail? So maybe it's not working out an hour a day. Maybe it's putting on your running shoes. Mm -hmm. And little by little, a little becomes a lot. So it's P times E times S3. Purpose times energy. Time, small, simple steps. And if people feel like they're procrastinating, they're putting things off, just use this as formula. Do you feel the purpose? do you feel the reward emotionally of what'll come from this? Or the consequences of not doing it? Or do you have plenty of energy, fuel, to be able to follow through on this? Or maybe have you broken it down into a small, simple step? And then you'll have your motivation.
0: In these methodologies, you talk about focus, and you offer practical tips as well as study and memory. Memory is something you've really become well-known for. It's also, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but I know it to be true for myself, that when I meet someone who can remember dates and facts and quotes and scriptures and all of these things, I assume that they have a much higher IQ or intelligence than most people. Is that true? And when I say, is that true, Is that true that many of us perceive those who can remember details and facts and important things? Do most of us perceive people to be more intelligent because of that?
1: We do. We certainly do. I mean, I'll I'll address it really two quick ways. When I talk about one of the lies, the seven lies to learning, one of them is that intelligence is fixed. Mm -hmm. and uh, We know absolutely it's not that it's fluid that an IQ or a standardized test doesn't accurately represent someone's potential. Like a test you take when you're seven is not your potential when you're 77. And so that we just demystify. Mm -hmm. A lot of the book is about transcending, which is like ending the trance, ending this mass hypnosis that we're not enough or that our memory is somehow fixed or our potential is somehow fixed like our shoe size. And we, we offer the real research behind it and then offer somebody a new belief to install that intelligence isn't fixed, that it's fluid, that genius isn't born, that genius is actually built. But coming back to memory, certainly that in today's expert economy, where knowledge is not only power, it is profit, that you're know, you not, it's not like the turn of the 20th century where people were working on farms and factories and it was built on brute strength. Now it's our brain strength, Mm -hmm. right? It's not just our muscle power, it's our mind power. And even in a world that we live in where jobs are going to automation and they're going to artificial intelligence. What makes us human, what makes us valuable is our creativity, our ability to solve problems, our ability to think you know, analytically, you know, have divergent thinking to be able to make better decisions. But the challenge is it was never really taught us that we never learned how to do that. And that's why I wrote this book. And so I do believe having a great memory is a force multiplier, I mean, it makes every part of your life better. You know in your relationships when you could remember things that are important to loved ones when you could remember dates when you could remember you know like workouts when you could remember anything you know your life just gets magnified and you know in the beginning of the book i open up the book with the four super villains if you will you know i talk about superpowers because i taught myself how to read by reading reading comic books you know something about the superheroes brought it to life for me but the four horsemen of the, the apocalypse, if you will, mental apocalypse, you know, this is what we're facing right now. And it's all driven by technology. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not created by technology, but it's amplified. And I think everyone can relate to these. And just so to be aware of it really quickly, four of them, digital deluge, too much information, too little time. I mean, how many people are just drowning in information? Like you're taking a sip of water out of a fire hose. There's too much to learn. And that's why we teach speed reading and study skills. Digital distraction. You know, we talked about that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. How do you have to focus when, when we're growing up on technology where it's training our distraction muscles? And we talk about it. I have a video that has 27 million views on Facebook. Just don't touch your phone the first half an hour a day. Because it's rewiring your brain for, number one, to be distracted. Yes. You know, every ring, ping, ding, you know, just training you, just building your distracted muscle first thing. And it's training your brain to be reactive. And you don't want to start your day just reacting and fighting fires and on the defense. You know, our friend Brendan Burchard has a quote that says, your inbox is nothing but a convenient organizational system for other people's agenda for your life. Mm-hmm. You're just waking up and just reacting to things, your brain gets hijacked and it just trains yourself to, to react. And you can never have an equality of life if you're not in control and things are reacting more to you.
0: I know my audience loves those tactical things that they can start to practice. Yeah. Can you share with us maybe a simple way that we can use association to right. improve our memory?
1: Absolutely. So what I'll give everybody, I'll teach you a really quick technique to memorize like a TED Talk.
0: Let's give everybody the assignment of you have to memorize the one Shalene Show podcast that had the most profound impact on you. I would love that. Okay, that's the assignment.
1: Absolutely. And so I could give people an example of how to do it okay. with some real content in just a few minutes. Yep. And then you could apply it towards your favorite episode. Okay, that would be great. There was a technique developed 2,500 years ago in ancient Greece. Because I not only is the book based on the latest brain science applied towards accelerated learning and and mental performance, but it's also I wanted to know what did ancient cultures do to memorize things before there were printing presses, before there were you know computers. And in ancient Greece, the Simonides was an order he gave a poetry reading and when he left the building, something really tragic happened. The building collapsed and killed everyone there. And because he was a lone survivor, he had the responsibility of helping family members identify their loved ones. And he was able to do so because he remembered where they were all sitting. And we realized that we store information in places. As as hunter-gatherers, maybe you didn't need to memorize a lot of numbers or words, you needed to remember where things were. Where's the food? Where's the enemy tribe? Where's the clean soil? Where's the water? And so we store information in places. So what I'm going to teach everybody really quickly is memory is as easy as pie. Remembering is easy as pie. P-I-E. These are three things you need to be able to remember anything. P-I-E. The P stands for place. As I've already discussed, like you remember things in places. The I is imagined. We remember things better, like you illustrated in the beginning, things that you visualize, things that you see. A lot of people are better with faces than they are with names, right? You go to somebody and say, I remember your face, but I forgot your name. You never go to somebody and say the opposite. You never go to somebody and say, (laughs) I remember your name, but I forgot your face, (laughs) right? There's There's a proverb that goes, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I understand. What I hear, I forget. I heard the name, I forgot the name. What I see, I remember. What I see, I saw the face, I remember the face. And what I do, going back to practice, is what you really understand. And so we tend to remember what we see, so try seeing what you want to remember. So the I is imagine the thing you wanna remember. Mm -hmm. And then finally the E is exactly what you're talking about, is entwine, use the word association. And so entwine is associating two things together. And what are you associating or entwining? The place and the image, all right? And so the simple example we'll do right now is I'm gonna give everybody, very tactically, 10 things you could do to have a limitless brain. Because in the book, it's full of software. The process for speed reading, the process for learning languages, the process for getting in box zero, for reading a book you know, a week, three times faster. But you also have to take care of your hardware, right? Your, mm-hmm. your computer. And so here are 10 things I recommend for everybody to do, and I'll go through them super, super fast, and I'm going to show you how to memorize them. All right. So I would write it down. And when we're going through these 10 things, use this as an assessment time. Use this as self-awareness. Rate yourself on a scale of 0 to 10 to how much attention, how good are you doing in this category? Because I don't think anyone's going to debate any of these 10 things, but common sense is not common practice. Right. And so let's see what we're lacking and we see where we're strong. First one is a good brain diet, all right? So there are certain, you are what you eat, what you eat matters, especially for your gray matter. And there's an area of research called neuronutrition that the brain has some different nutrient requirements than the rest of your body. You're obviously your brain is part of your body, but it's only 2% of your body mass, but it requires 20% of the nutrition. So there's certain brain foods. And and again, this is, some. you should, People could go to a health practitioner, a functional medicine doctor, have a food sensitivity, you know, test done. But generally, you're looking at like foods like avocados, blueberries. I call them brain berries. Got uh, broccoli, very good. Green leafy vegetables, good. Turmeric helps to lower inflammation. Can be good for the brain. Walnuts looks like a human brain dark chocolate potentially no (laughs) sugar not milk, but dark chocolate What's good for your mood tends to be good for your mind. So good brain diet number one number two Killing ants Mm -hmm. is clinically proven to be good for your brain and ants is a term developed by dr. Daniel Amen Mm -hmm. stands for automatic negative thoughts And we've already talked about your brain is like a supercomputer and your self-talk is a program It will run so if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering names you won't remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. So keep it positive. Number three is exercise. And I don't need to talk about that because this is (laughs) well covered. (laughs) But just remember, as your body moves, your brain grooves. As your body moves, you create brain-derived neurotropic factors, BDNF, which is like fertilizer for neuroplasticity, for making new connections. And so on a scale of zero to 10, I'm assuming, and I'm hoping everybody is very strong in this area, to exercise. Number four, brain nutrients, brain nutrients. I'm not a huge supplement person, and I'm not, nor am I a nutritionist, but if you're not getting certain key vitamins and minerals in your diet, then you might want to consider supplementation. And you could do a nutrient profile, a test to find what you're lacking, You know, but there are certain nutrients that are very neuroprotective, Certainly one of the top recommended ones is your omega-3s. So we won't go deep into that, but that's number four.
0: Now, is there a distinction that you make between number one and number four, if number one is our diet?
1: Yeah, so I prefer people get, so number one is brain foods. Number four are brain supplements. They are going to supplement and because they're not getting maybe enough omega-3s or DHAs. Or turmeric. Right, or vitamin B or something, then it could affect our certainly our memory and our focus. That's number four. And then number five is a positive peer group because it affects your brain because it's not just your neurological networks. We know our brain is affected by our social networks, that who we spend time with is who we become. That if you spend time with nine broke people, be careful because you're gonna be number 10.
0: Who we quarantine with, we become.
1: Very, very much, very much so. (laughs) And that's why I think it's so important to have community. Like your community, we all need people to support us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to educate us. So that's a positive peer group. And then the last hot five, you know, really quick. Six is a clean environment. We know that the human brain loves a clean environment. That when you clean your, you know, your space, your you clean your office, you clean your desktop, you have clarity of thought. And so your external world is a reflection of your internal world. And you know, I have a very popular video out there that, that my Jim Quick's morning routine. And you know, millions of people watch, it's just the 10 things I do in the morning to jumpstart my brain. And one of them is make my bed. Something very, very simple. But how you do anything is how you do everything. So you train yourself for excellence. Plus, your brain loves cleanliness. So Marie Kondo, your mind. That's number, <laughs> six. number seven, sleep. And that's obvious, right? But, you know, how's your brain the next day? You want a bad night's sleep. How's your focus? How's your memory? How's your ability to think and make decisions?
0: How's your patience?
1: Exactly. And so your temperament, everything. So three reasons to sleep from a brain perspective. Number one that consolidates short to long-term memory and so if you have long-term memory issues check into your sleep number eight brain protection protect your brain wear a helmet number nine new learnings and i'm preaching to the choir here but they did a study on nuns that live 80 90 and above i call them super nuns it was called aging with grace and they found out half of it had to do with their emotional faith and gratitude and the other half the keto to the longevity They're active learners, lifelong learners, and it added years to their life and life to their years. They put it on the cover of Time Magazine. And so always be learning because just like in how you build your body is through novelty and nutrition and sleep, same thing with your mental muscles. You give it novelty, nutrition, and sleep. Novelty is the learnings, right? And finally, last one, stress management. Stress management because chronic stress, we know, shrinks your brain. And chronic fear is why some people have to tune out some of the news. I'm not saying don't know what's hmm. going on, but chronic fear suppresses your immune system. It's a whole area of science called psychoneuroimmunology. Your mind has an algorithm like Facebook and Instagram that if you like and comment in every or watch every cat video, it'll just show you a lot of cats, because right? That's what you're aging with. Same thing with the news. If you're always looking at what's scary and dark and threatening, it'll start feeding you that same algorithm of what's dark. And then you don't focus on gratitude, you don't focus on possibility, you don't focus on opportunity, you know, as well. And so stress management is on a scale of zero to 10. You know, what are you using to cope for, with stress? You know, whether it's meditation, what are you doing to be able to lower the cortisol and adrenaline so you're not in fight flight freeze all the time. And so those are the ten keys for having a limitless brain. And you know, if you just you have to do all of those things because if you're lacking certain nutrients, it's gonna affect your learning. If you're not getting sleep, it's gonna affect your learning. If you're with energy vampires, it's gonna affect your brain. If you're too stressed out, it's gonna affect your brain. So it's not any one thing, it's all these things. Now the the technique which is really, really simple. P-I-E, place, imagine, entwine, is you're gonna take a place that you're familiar with, and what you're gonna do is, imagine you're standing in your kitchen, and you're gonna go clockwise, and you're gonna pick five places. So maybe the first place is your microwave. The second place is the stovetop, The third place is the refrigerator. The fourth place is the washing machine. The fifth place is the sink. Right. And then you go into the next room and say, okay, you're now in your, let's say your dining room and you have the, you know, the table dining room table is number six, you know, and the sideboard is number seven. And you just go through the house and you have places. Mm -hmm. And this is how people would remember a lot of information and they would go place to place. So do we have three minutes to go through a quick exercise? Sure. Okay, so what I want everyone to do, because everybody has different places, is we'll just do an imagination story. I want everyone, if it's safe, to take a deep breath, exhale, and close your eyes. Just helps you to focus. And we'll use my office as an example, all right? We have an office in Westchester, New York. I want to imagine, like, in your mind, We're going to take, because everybody has different homes, we'll just use one. Mm -hmm. I want you to imagine you are, we're in the suburbs of Westchester. It's north of New York City. And a big glass building. I'm going to take 10 places. I'm going to entwine the 10 things to have a super brain. So number one place, we pull up to the parking lot. So the first place is the what? Parking lot. Mm -hmm. Good. And everyone say it out loud because that's your verbal memory. So we're in the first place is the parking lot. And when you get out, the first brain thing is there. It's a good brain diet. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole buffet of the best brain foods and you're just eating it up. Or you're having a big brain, you know, limitless brains party. And everyone's eating the blueberries, the the dark chocolate, the walnuts, the avocado. And just imagine that. And if you can't imagine it, just, just again, imagine, you can imagine, imagine you're eight years old. This is what children do to learn so fast. The second place, there's a waterfall that creates a moat around my building and you have to cross a bridge so the second place is the bridge right and you're walking across and you want to remember the second thing which is killing ants automatic negative thoughts so imagine you're just stepping on ants you would never do that but information tied to emotion becomes a long-term memory remember that information by itself is forgettable but information combined with emotion becomes unforgettable we all remember a song that could take you back to when you're a teenager or a food or a fragrance that could take you back to when you were a child. So we're adding emotion here. So you're stepping on those ants. You go into the building. The third place you step into is the elevator. So what's the third place? Say it out loud. Elevator. Good. And when you're in there, you're doing the exercise. And what exercise do you recommend people are doing in the elevator?
0: How about air squats?
1: Perfect. Everyone with Chalene is doing air squats, and she's there with you right now in the elevator. Imagine that. All right. You get out of the elevator. The fourth place is right in front of you. It's the hallway. The hallway, and you need to remember brain vitamins. Brain vitamins. So I just want you to imagine, like, there are bottles of of brain vitamins that you're just jumping over or tripping on in the hallway. Like maybe you're Laura Croft and you're jumping over these big bottles of of brain nutrients. You open a door to the office. Immediately to the left is the fifth place. Is the closet? What's the fifth place? The closet. Good. And you open it and there's your positive peer group is in the closet. <laughs> All your happy friends are cheerleading. I,
0: I embrace them. They can come out of the closet if they'd like. I'd still love them.
1: They don't have to be in the closet. They come out, but they, they're in the closet right now and they're cheering you on. That's your positive posse. It's your positive tribe, your, your peer group. From there, you go to the receptionist. That's the sixth place. So what's the sixth place?
0: The receptionist.
1: Great. And the receptionist is cleaning the environment to remind you of clean environment. And everything has a place, organizing everything, vacuuming, dusting everything, clean environment. Behind the receptionist is this beautiful tropical fish tank. So what's the seventh place? The fish tank. Fish tank. And I want you to remember sleep. So I want you to imagine Mm. uh, Nemo and Dory, they're in their pajamas, (laughs) they're snoring, they're in their bunk beds, and they're sleeping. (laughs) Sleeping, the fish are sleeping. Love it. Good we're almost there. You're going to go into uh, the classroom. You get to the door. Maybe you're taking like a speed reading class or whatever. The door is locked and there's a helmet right there. So you put on the helmet to remind you of brain protection and you headbutt the door open and it splinters open. Mm. You would never do that in real life, but the helmet reminds you of protect your brain. Mm -hmm. And then you get inside the classroom and on the front of the room is a whiteboard. So what's the ninth place? The whiteboard. Good. And I'm there and I'm drawing in your favorite color marker, two words, new learnings. Imagine that. Think about your favorite color. What's your favorite color? Pink. Yes, it's in pink, of course. (laughs) New learnings. And I'm teaching you new learnings, speed reading, limitless uh, memory. And then finally, the side of the classroom are all these bonsai trees, these Japanese plants, bonsai trees. So what's the 10th place?
0: The bonsai trees on the side of the room.
1: Exactly, and you want to remember stress management. So imagine you're getting a massage or getting body work on the bonsai trees or you're meditating on the bonsai trees. Whatever helps reduce stress, that's what you're doing, but on the bonsai trees. Now, you're giving your TED Talk. You don't even need a teleprompter. You don't even need slides. All you have to do is remember this journey. Mm -hmm. You know, we use pie. We have a place, we have the image, and we entwined it. So the first place we go to the parking lot. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: what do you remember there at the parking lot? You have
0: people eating food, the right diet,
1: the brain diet. And then from there, and I want everyone to do this with us. You're crossing the second place, which is the bridge bridge. Those ants, ants. automatic negative thoughts. You go into the building, you get into the elevator
0: elevator.
1: and who's there?
0: Shalene doing squats with you.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Everyone remembers that one uh, most of all. You get out of the elevator, and there's the hallway, and you're jumping over or tripping on these bottles of brain vitamins, right? Yep. Brain nutrients your omega-3s, right? And then you open the door, uh, you get into the office, immediately to the left is the closet, and who's in the closet? All of your friends. Your friends, and they're cheering you on. They're so positive, right? Your positive peers. And then from there, you go to the receptionist, and what's the receptionist doing?
0: Wiping everything down with a Clorox wipe?
1: Exactly, sanitizing everything, clean environment, your brain loves it. And behind the receptionist is this beautiful tropical fish tank, and what are the fish doing?
0: Dory's swimming around with pajamas on because she's about to exactly. go to sleep.
1: They're about to go to sleep. Sleep. Manage you prioritize your sleep. And then the door is locked, so you put on a skateboard helmet. helmet. Exactly. And then you bring it and that reminds you to wear a helmet, protect your brain, because it's resilient, but it's also very fragile. And in front of the classroom is a whiteboard, and I'm drawing in, in pink.
0: New <laughs> uh, learning.
1: New learnings. So always be learnings. So it's good for your brain. And finally, the bonsai trees you are, reminds you of stress management. Yes. So the 10 keys. And this is the method of really, this is the memory palace, they call it. The memory palace. You create a journey. And people used to do this way back when. If you've ever found yourself saying in the first place this, in the second place that, in the third place, that languaging came from this memory technique that's 2,500 years old. And I wrote the whole chapter on memory in Greece because I found out not only was that technique, you know, they pioneered it, but also the goddess of memory, her nine children were the nine muses of science, literature, and art. And isn't it interesting that the mother of science, literature, and art is memory. (laughs) There is learning without memory. I want to thank you
0: for that technique. It's one that I, I learned from you. And I used it to just free myself from. I used to bring note cards whenever I was giving a speech, you know, and sometimes you have to memorize hours worth Mm. of content if you're doing like a seminar. And and so I'd have all these note cards and I'd never wanted to grab them, even though I brought them with me. So I would stumble and kind of, you know, do things out of order until I learned this technique. And I just want to say to our listeners that what we just did isn't just learned or memorized those 10 things, we actually memorized 20. So, when I was first learning this from you and listening to an audio of you explaining how to do this, I was like, "Wow, this is kind of hard because I have to remember what, shoot, What came after the hallway? Oh, yeah, closet. Then, when I started putting into practice myself, you realize those things you associate, you don't have to memorize those because they're already in your house. You're so it's right. so it's even so much easier than what we just practiced. So even if you're like, "Oh, I don't know that that was that easy for me. It will be. Trust me, because when you're in your own home and you're placing things in each area of your home, I've used this to memorize an hour long speech to three days by just kind of thinking about like, okay, and then on the second floor, what's up there? And then on the third floor, what's up there? And it's really been profoundly helpful and it improves your confidence.
1: Exactly. And your skill developing because it improves your creativity. It's like an exercise for creativity. It's an exercise for imagination. It's an exercise for building your strategic muscles also as well. It's a mental workout for sure.
0: But that association, I've always worried, gosh, if anyone knew the association that I'm making right now to make all of this work (laughs) in my mind, they'd have me institutionalized. (laughs) And it's
1: wonderful. And that children learn so much because they're playful. And I think it also keeps us young because I remember I was speaking in front of an audience of thousands and and somebody was like, you know, like, well, I stopped playing because I grew older and I matured. I was like, no, you grew older because you stopped playing. And when, you know, children are such fast learners, they can learn languages and musical instruments. And part of it is they're just willing to be creative and to exercise these muscles.
0: Well, Jim, this has been profoundly entertaining, also incredibly useful. I hope that this is mandatory reading, not just for my listeners, but, you know, your kids, your family members, because it is incredibly helpful and builds confidence. Like when we feel intelligent, when we feel like we can recall things, it just makes us feel more in control, a little calmer. And I think everyone could use a little dose of calm right now. Jim, where can people pick up the book?
1: The, the website to go to is limitlessbook.com. The subtitle is for Limitless is upgrade your brain, learn anything faster, and unlock your exceptional life. And when people go to LimitlessBook.com, we created a very special bonus, two chapters, which is also Limitless for your teams. And so if you want to build learning organizations, because we find that over 80% of people are not engaged in their job. And so how do you build learning organizations where you apply the Limitless models, whether you have three employees or 300? And Limitless for Kids. Like, how do you get them in the right mindset? How do you motivate them? How do you teach them these methods if school isn't in session, right? So we did a whole bonus chapter there. And then we are going to do a group book club. And then there's four sections of the book. We follow the hero's journey, the four stages of uh, Joseph Campbell's work, you know, that's popularized in The Wizard of Oz or Star Wars. And we spend one week per chapter per section of the book. And so I'm going to show you how to read the book. I'm gonna show you how to remember those sections. And most importantly, we're gonna all apply it together because I wanna make this the most read book on your shelf. And uh, and it's absolutely free when you go to LimitlessBook.com. Can I challenge everyone to do one thing? Sure. So a small, simple step. We talked about one small, simple step and we covered a lot in this conversation. What I would suggest everyone do is a small, simple step is to take a screenshot of this episode and tag Shalene, tag myself and post it, and the small simple step you could do is teach one thing that you learned to on social media. You know, one thing that you learned, because the fastest way to learn something was have the intention of teaching somebody else, because when you teach it, you get to learn it twice. And so what is one thing you got out of this conversation that was especially meaningful for you, whether it was your mindset, your motivation, reevaluating some of the methods, is it a good brain diet, You know, reducing negative thoughts, making sure that you're exercising, which I know everybody is, whether it's stress management, whether it's, you know, optimizing your sleep. What is one thing you got out of this one quote, something you took notes on, maybe the note taking process? But tag both of us in it. I will repost some of my favorites, but share what you learned, just one thing, or take a picture of your notes that you just took and share that online. And I'll actually gift a signed copy of the book to one random person just for putting it on there.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. I think they're going to love that. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you'll follow through on that challenge. You actually had two challenges today. So we'll see how everybody does. I've got faith in you. Jim, thank you so much for being here today on The Shaleen Show. Thank
1: you for having me.